So if we are in a time of birth pangs, birth pangs on a pregnant woman, not the end yet, but birth pangs, where trials come one upon the other upon both the church and the world, and where the church is concerned, it's purging and cleansing everything that can be shaken to make room for a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So God is not sentimental about things that oppose His purpose, nor is He obligated to prop men up who have strayed away from Him. And we talked in the last time about various ones who are now the objects of, of, uh, of scrutiny, um, who are being mocked and laughed at as buffoons and, and, and uh, false prophets. Uh, and we've had a plethora of those lately, I mentioned many of them, including blood moons and all, all of the rest of it. They've played fast and loose with the things of God with unholy hands. They've laid a hold of holy things and God is repulsing them. He is pushing them back. But He's making room and these are minor considerations, I mean they're obviously major considerations to the persons themselves and the ones who have invested faith in them, but to God they're minor considerations. It's purging the threshing floor as it were, preparing the way of the Lord, pulling down the high places and filling up the low places to make a highway of holiness for what God is about to bring into the earth. And we see that that is a kingdom that cannot be shaken and in light of that advent, and it's not that the kingdom is coming, the kingdom is already here, the kingdom has been here and functioning, but He's about to clothe people, He's about to clothe the corporate man with the authority of Christ, to represent Him in the corporate man, in the earth, in these last days, in these times. That's what's going on. So you could focus on the trials that will engulf the earth and you, and you can focus on the hardships that are, that are the direct and proximate result of these trials and the way that the earth's systems are going to be reconfigured from its financial, economic, trade systems political systems and the like, which are all the subjects of the scriptures. Or you can focus on what the reason for all of this actually is, because this is the original intent. It is what God meant to do when He created the heavens and the earth. When He put man on the earth, He had done the last thing necessary to ensure that His intent for all of creation, the heavens and the earth, would be fulfilled, which was that on the earth at the, at the finish of the age, that a man, a corporate man, in the image and likeness of Christ, of God, would stand up, would be, would be beheld. That man could be measured by the fullness of the statue that belongs to Christ for such a man is a mature man 
who carries the authority of Christ in the earth. That is that man who like Adam will suddenly appear. He'll appear fully grown so he's a man, but his presence in the earth has been unprecedented, so in that sense he'll be a child, a new new entity fully grown, like Adam. He was a new entity in the earth, a man, but the Son of God, the child of God, first appearing on earth of one of the two sons of God. So it'd be a full-grown man, which is why it's called a man-child. Now, that's the thing that God is about to bring into the earth. This, This picture has had a stunning series of prophetic references ahead of time, ahead of the time of His appearing. This uh, mature man who appears to be born in a day, just like a kingdom appearing in maturity in a day, because that's the day that God chooses to pull back the veil and reveal the thing He had been doing all along. Just like in the days of Jesus, for 30 years since His birth, God had been working to produce that man who, standing up out of uh, the water in, in Jordan and coming up out of that water, reference to coming up out of the Word because this was the Son of Promise and the Word contains the promise. Coming up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends on him in the form of a dove and a voice is heard out out of heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And that's God's introduction of the mature Son to to the world as a first look at what He'd been doing in secret. In the same way, God has already been building and and establishing His kingdom, which is the basis of support, of authoritative support of this mature Son. So the Son is not the kingdom. The kingdom is the basis of authority that has been established for the support of the activities of the Son, this corporate Son. So this corporate man is what all creation has been waiting for. And Daniel caught a glimpse of him all those many millennia ago. I want to read you something from the book of Daniel chapter 10. He identifies the time of this as in the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia. So the Medo-Persian Empire had replaced the Babylonian Empire and now the Persian Empire had emerged out of the Medo-Persian Empire. And the progression is seen in Daniel's writings. He writes some things like in the first year of Belshazzar, who is the last king of the Babylonian Empire. Then he writes some things about the first year of Darius, 
the first king of the Medo-Persian Empire, and now he writes about the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, the first of these Persian kings. So we can see the progression in history through the, the way Daniel identifies when he got uh, the revelation. Daniel, by the way, had been given a Babylonian name and it was Belteshazzar, not Belshazzar, but Belteshazzar, uh, like Nebuchadnezzar. Um, in fact, it was Nebuchadnezzar who gave him that name after he survived the night in the lion's den. He was called Belteshazzar. Now, this is said about the message. Pay attention, please. The message was true, Daniel said, but, but the appointed time was long. Hmm? The appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. This is different from many of the other visions that are recorded in the book of Daniel. And Daniel is known for having these incredible visions written throughout, written down throughout the story of the book of Daniel. So here is the build-up to the vision. But it was its appointed time, the message is true, but the appointed time, the time when the message will become revealed is long, far into the future, because indeed it was a message for the end of the age. In those days, Daniel said, I was mourning three weeks. In other words, he was in a state of deep uh, contemplation and uh, fasting, frankly. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till those three whole weeks were fulfilled. On the 24th day of the first month of the third year, now these things are highly symbolic, 24 is the number of government, government. You read about 12 and 12, and in heaven there are 24 elders. So this is a story about something that relates to the government of God. It's the first month, so it defines the course of the year, as it were. And in a way, it refers to that time that would come a long time hence. At the beginning of that time, there would be uh, some issue of God's government being brought into the earth. All right? I was by the side of the great river, which is Tigris, and I lifted up my eyes and behold, and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was whose waist was girded with the gold of Opa or Upaz, which was a region known for fine gold. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearing or appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, 
his arms and legs, or feet rather, were burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words was like the voice of a multitude. This is what Daniel saw about this man. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, and that reminds you of the book of Revelation, how they fled from before the face of the Lamb and said, hide us from the face of the Lamb. But I'm ahead of myself. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision and no strength remained in me for my vigor was turned to frailty in me and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. Suddenly, he said, a hand touched me and lifted me up, I I stood um, and so on. But that's all he said about that vision until later in the chapter. And later in the chapter, he said, and he was given more of the vision, um, but not of that particular uh, of that particular man who was standing clothed in linen, and so on. He was in fact given what are called the seventy prophetic weeks of Daniel at the end of the 10th chapter through the 11th chapter and so on. And then he comes to the 12th chapter and there's something he picks up with the man again, with this man. Now this time, this man is speaking. Daniel said, Then I looked and there stood two others, one on this river bank and the other on that river bank. This is Daniel 12 at verse 5. Verse 6, he goes back to the man clothed in linen who was uh, arrayed and looked like he was splendid, uh, his splendor was a golden splendor. Um, One of the two men he saw on one river bank and the other river bank, the river being Tigris. And this man, by the way, was standing above the waters, which is the point of him arising out of the water. In other words, this is the man promised, all right? Then I looked and there stood two others, one on this riverbank, and one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river. And Jesus, when he had come up out of the water, that's when he was declared to be the Son of God and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now he's prefigured, standing above the Tigris River, not the Jordan, but the Tigris. And he's prefigured as one clothed as magnificently as he was. And to him, these two others, presumably angelic figures, said to him, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Because in the intervening period, 
These wonders had been spoken of as things that would happen at the end of the age. So they turned to him and they said, how long will it be? Because he apparently was unlike the other two on the other side and inasmuch as he affected Daniel by literally causing him to lose what measure of strength was in a natural man's body. Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore to him who lives forever, swore to God, that it shall be for a time, times and half a time. And here is this incredible verse. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be accomplished. Now, the Jews have been referred to as holy people, but this is a different thing. This is not a reference to them returning to the land, restoring the temple, restoring the walls of the city as they did from Babylon, waiting for the coming of the Messiah. This is a glorious man whose voice is the voice of many waters or the voice of many people. This is a corporate man. This is a corporate man who has, according to the book of Revelation, the 17th chapter or the 19th chapter, I'm sorry, where he says, I counsel you to buy of me fine raiment wherewith you may be clothed, and that's fine linen where you might be clothed, and gold tried in the fire. When he's speaking to, uh, when he's speaking, and the same thing is repeated when it said, early on is spoken in the first chapters of the book of Revelation, when certain churches claim to be uh, rich and have no need of anything, and he said, you're poor and weak and miserable and blind, but I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire and fine raiment with which you may be clothed. And he describes the fine raiment as the righteous acts of the saints. But then in the first chapter of the book of Revelation, where John is on the island of Patmos and he turns to see the voice that had been speaking to him, uh, which had spoken to him from, from behind where he was standing, when he turned to, 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 hear, to see that voice, he sees one arrayed much like, much like this description in the book of Daniel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and he's described as the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Um, and he goes on to say, here's the following. He said, I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. His hair 
This is Revelation chapter 1, verse 13, starting. Verse 14 says, His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire, same description. His feet were like the fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Daniel saw a prophetic vision of the corporate Christ. He appears to John in the same way, but on the earth it was meant to be in the last days the glory of God's appearing would be upon a people and therefore they were counseled to buy fine raiment, fine linen, wherewith they should be clothed, and gold tried in the fire by which their wealth would be determined. What's the gold and the fine raiment? The fine raiment stands for the righteous acts of the saints, and the gold tried in the fire is their character, the character that produces those acts. So it's not, I mean, when when Daniel saw it, he was blown away by the glory of it because he saw it in a prophetic vision. Now, if you have eyes to see, you will see it as it is. But if you don't know what you're looking at, as Daniel did not, he saw it from a spiritual viewpoint as a vision, and in the vision this corporate man was resplendent in glory, and he declared that the, and in fact the only thing he seems to be connected to in this vision is when he was asked by the two attendants on the right and on the left, when will the end of the, of the age come and what will be the consuming events? That's the only thing he's used for, he's not, he's not the angel Gabriel who comes and gives him the vision of the seventy weeks, or the, it's not a vision in which he sees four great beasts or any of that. Here is the appearing of this glorious man before whom Daniel the great prophet falls down like he's dead. And the only thing he is, the only thing associated with this glorious man is when he's asked to declare what, when will the consummation of the age be? And he says, it'll be for times, times and half a time, when the power of the holy people has been finally shattered. Since the Roman Empire, Constantine gave the power of the empire to the church, and the strength of the church for nearly 2,000 years has been its hegemony over human society, particularly Western civilization. Western civilization was made to accommodate 
the religious views of the state's church and it's held things back, held things in check, but only insofar as it continued to perpetuate the goals of the church, which was simply to have power and authority. But there was never the understanding, there has never been in the church for millennia since the early apostles were gone. It seemed that the church lost any reference to its role in the earth as being the image and likeness of God Himself. And therefore there's been no theology insisting that the people grow up to become the splendid man seen in this vision. So the counterfeit has always been the use of state power to maintain the position of privilege of the religious system. Every variation of that is a variation on the same theme, but listen, God always intended to bring forth a glorious man on the earth who is in his representation exactly like Christ. It's why Christ came, He's the pattern son, He is the mature son who only does what he sees his father doing, to whom the father reveals whatever the father is doing. All this other stuff has been in the way because it's promoted the primacy of men in their infantile grasping for power and authority as orphans would. These are not people who preached the gospel of the sonship of man to God, nor did they understand the ways by which sons are assembled to families to be made into mature people to carry the glory of God. The end of the age is the separation out of that. And so what we're seeing is this, this is the consummation of the matter. Revelation 22.10 says, And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. At the end of the age, this is what it will look like. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. This is how God is dealing with people in these days. Who has been historically unjust, He's going to be left in that condition. Let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. But he who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. The end of the, behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according to his work. I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do His commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and enter in through the gates into the city. Gates as I've talked about before are fathers. You come in through the fathers into your inheritance, into this glorious allotment of the house of God. So here we are at the end of the age. 
God is sweeping away the pretenders, the charlatans, the frauds, and the false. He's sweeping them away. It's the hand of God and no amount of praying is going to change that outcome because it's God doing it. He's just using the coronavirus and the destabilizing effect on it to bring to the surface all this dross and putrefying excesses that have been rotting underneath the surface of glitzy sounding words. These cannot be denied anymore. The truth of who these people are, the truth of the fa- uh, regarding their doctrine and the nature of the falsity that they have propagated, it can't be pushed back. It can't be pushed back. This is not a time for you to say, we need to be gentle with our brethren. This is a time when God is casting out the money changers and the filthy ones from his house. This is a time of the great falling away because judgment has begun at the house of God. When it is finished, the house will be cleansed and this glorious man will stand up in the earth. This will happen, the appearing of this glorious man will happen when the power of the holy people has been finally broken. The earth is going to turn against the church and these charlatans will scatter like leaves before a strong fall wind. What's left in place will carry the glory of God and will demonstrate the economy that comes from heaven and how sufficient that economy is for everything that is necessary for life and godliness. You know, the end of the story is how all the kingdoms under the earth, all the kingdoms on earth, were brought under the domain of Christ. That's the next great age that is coming when upon his return he will rule over all the nations. But in the meantime, He's taking a people to himself out of every tribe, tongue, language, and nation. And he's forming them into, and that's what he's doing now, into a royal priesthood and a holy nation. The appearing on the earth will be so resplendent as to be viewed as a man clothed in fine linen whose appearance in the earth is golden, the corporate man, the head and the body as one, the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ in his house. What an incredible vision, what a time in which men should live, what a time we are living in. No, 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 we're not going to be raptured out, that's a bogus doctrine never was true. In fact, by now we should have been raptured out if the proponents of this doctrine were correct. They're not. Just like the proponents of a faith doctrine spoke a bogus word about faith. Faith is to titimi, to lie down in death in the certainty of who God is. Faith is about coming into God's rest. 
It's not about airplanes and mansions, although I have nothing against mansions or airplanes. I don't have a theology of poverty and deprivation. To be poor is not the same as being humble. That's, a, that's as false as to be rich is, to be, uh, is the same as being blessed. These are false doctrines on both sides. We're talking about a kingdom. They only spoke of church, not the kingdom, not the glory of the appearing of God on the earth. We're now about to see the entrance by heralds announcing, heralds who've come from the king, announcing good news, the good news of the appearing of Christ in his own house and the glory of it, the likes of which the world has not seen, but it has been building to this, but its appearing was reserved for such a time as this. Grace and peace be with you. Amen.